All right. So if this is your first time here, um, our, our church is not normally set up. In fact, this is your fourth time here. We're not normally set up this way. I say that every week because this is different. This is our last week in the Fireside Sermon Series. Um, I heard some like, oh, not from Jafer. Um, <laughs> but this is our last week. We've been talking about igniting a passion for God. In, in week one, we talked about what passion is. We talked about how it's entheos. We're filled with God. And how if we've lost that passion or if we want to gain that passion, there are three things that we should do. We should walk with God, we should trust God, and we should worship with God daily. And that's all really important. And how it's hard to walk, worship, and trust God daily if we're not in His Word. So the second week, we talked about having a passion for God's Word and how important that is as a disciple of God, as a follower of God, that we're constantly in His Word and reading what it says about our lives. And I told you that these sermons kept building on each other. And while we were talking about God's Word, I pointed out that it's going to show you your sin in your life. It's going to act like a mirror. James says that in, this, in Scripture, that the Word of God is like a mirror. It also says that the Word of God is like a scalpel. It says a double-edged sword, but I always call it a scalpel. And it's going to show you how to get rid of that sin in your life. And today, culminating all of this, we're talking about the passion. We're going to talk about what Scripture actually says how sin is removed from your life. I hope that you've all had a good week. I hope that you've all been passionate about your Word. Have you? Have you all been passionately in God's Word? Have you all been like serious about the, the wrong in your life? Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but each week the fire has been different. So like, the first few weeks, it was building. Like there's more paper on it, and the paper's been falling. I'm sad it didn't stay as like I wanted to, but like there was more added to it each week. But today, it's dimmer. It's darker. You see, it's the end of camp. It's the last night of camp. And that's always like melancholy. There's always like this, this weird feeling like you're excited that camp was so good and camp is so great and that you're going home, but you're also like sad because you've spent this time with people and you've developed these relationships with people and you've lived together for a solid week and you're like, oh, it's over. Well, at least the teens are that way. The, camp, the counselors are like, yeah, we're going home and sleeping in our own bed and showering with hot water. Um, but there's this, there's this feeling of it's ending. We talked about building our fire in the first week. And we talked about feeding our fire. And the last, the last fire, it, it's dying down. It, it's, it's not as hot. It's not as bright. So our sermon series is ending. Our camp is ending. Last week, I brought up a, a Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. It says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. We talked about how sin, we need to be serious about our sin. And that at the very end of the sermon, I talked about how we can crucify our sinful nature. The, the passage I read was out of the NLT. It says we nail our sin to the cross of Christ. And today we're going to talk about the cross of Christ. We're going to talk about what he did for us and how important that is. Um, in Romans 12, verse 2, 
It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We have read this passage so many times in the last year, two years, and, and you all probably can quote it from heart, by heart by now. But this year at summer camp, this was our theme verse for the whole week. And I don't know if you all know what we talked about. The theme for camp was metamorphosis. And we looked at bugs that go through a metamorphosis. I'm not a big fan of bugs, but I, I understand their purpose. Um, but we looked specifically at like the butterfly. Everybody likes butterflies, right? They're pretty, they flutter, and they start out as caterpillars. Right? We all know this. I don't need to do a biology class with you, right? So the caterpillar eats. Do you know what happens when a caterpillar goes into its cocoon? Science really doesn't even know what happens when a caterpillar goes into its cocoon. Caterpillar goes into its cocoon, magic, out comes a butterfly. That's what happens. I mean, it, there's more to it than that. Essentially, the caterpillar turns into mush, and then gets reformed, and then hatches, and then becomes a butterfly. There's a lot to it. I'm like, it's weird. But the important thing that we need to know for today is when the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, it is the caterpillar that changes. Right? Because it comes out a butterfly. comes out, it's got those uh, like monarch butterflies. They're really pretty. Moths do the same thing, but we don't think moths are pretty unless they're a luna moth. Right? Nobody? Nothing? Um, you see, last week I mentioned, just in passing, that I have a problem right now. My truck died. And I don't know if you all know what my truck looks like. It's a 2010 Chevy Silverado, bright red. I love my truck. I've, I've joked around that it has cancer for a long time because it started rusting and I didn't care because it's a truck, right? Trucks are meant to be abused unless you buy like one of those fancy trucks and then I don't know why you buy a fancy truck. But my truck, I mean, I've abused my truck. It's driven through a flooded creek hauling the teen trailer I mean, it's been through multiple creeks. I, I love my truck. It just keeps going and going and going until the transmission goes out. And then it's like, oh, it doesn't go at all. Except in reverse. Figure that one out. Um, so I, I got it to drive. That was sketchy. Um, for those of you, if you ever have a problem with a Chevy that won't go into drive, pull the fuse of the transmission and it'll go into what they call limp mode and you can drive in third gear everywhere you want. <sighs> By the way, it takes 40 minutes to drive from Bethalto to Edwardsville in third gear. Just putting that out there. You see, I, I got it to uh, my, my normal mechanic, couldn't get my truck in until the end of October. I was like, I kind of need a vehicle before then. He goes, oh, here's this guy's number. We trust him. It's where we would have sent your transmission anyway. Go take it over to him. And I'm like, okay, if you trust him, I trust him. And I still do trust this guy. But he was like, it's going to take $3,700 to fix your truck. And I was like, my truck's only worth $8,000, right? So, like, there's no point in dumping that. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to learn how to fix a transmission this week. What's the worst that could happen? The truck's already broke, Right? I mean, I could break it more, but it's, I can't drive now, so, so I'm gonna try to fix this problem on my own. I have spent $75 on parts. I hope 
$75 on parts is all I need. I know I'm going to need some other things. So I might, you know, I might, and I, I did a tranny flush a while ago. So, so far I'm into it like $210, which is a lot cheaper than 3,700. But you know, I've been stressed out about this because I'm going to try to do something I've never done before. And I'm going to try to fix my problem on my own. Can I tell you, all of us have a problem and we've all probably tried to fix it on our own and we are unable to. I talked to you about being serious about sin last week. We have all sinned. I hope I made that obvious last week that Scripture says everyone has sinned and fallen short of the standard of God. I hope I made that abundantly obvious that you are no different than the person sitting next to you. Everyone here is guilty of breaking the law of God. We are all rebels. And, and like, I mean, rebel scum, you could say that if you want. Star Wars nerds, I don't care how you look at it. We're all rebels. We've all rebelled against God. All of us. And every sin does the same thing. It separates us from God. So we all have this problem of separation from God. And one way or another, we've all probably tried to fix it ourselves. And you can't. There is no way for us to fix that gap, to bridge that gap on our own. You see, God made a way, though. In Genesis, the very beginning, with the first sin, where Adam failed as a husband and allowed Eve to eat the fruit and was right there with her, that first sin, God comes in and He, he tells the serpent, you know, bad things are going to happen to you. You're gonna, there's there's going to be somebody, He's going to come, and you're going to strike at His heel, but He's going to crush your head. That big word for that is called the Proto-Evangelion. It just means it's the first time in Scripture that God said Jesus is going to show up. From the very beginning, God had a plan to reunite us with Him that we can live with Him. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, it says this, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I told you last week, that in Hebrews, Scripture is like a double-edged sword dividing joint and marrow, soul and spirit. The Word of God will operate on you. And it will convict you. And it will show you, hey, this is what's wrong. This is what you need to change. And God says, I'm going to come in and I'm going to perform surgery on you. I'm going to give you a new heart. Have you ever known somebody who had to have like heart surgery or a heart transplant? And they're all like hurting Beforehand, my mom had to get a pacemaker put in and like she couldn't do anything beforehand because her heart was jacked up and she got this pacemaker in and now she's telling me how she's riding uphill like two miles and I'm like, why? You have a car. I don't understand it. But, but again, we have this problem. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm sorry, I said 3.26, that's 6.23. In Romans 3, 23-26, it says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. 
This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when He held back and did not punish those who sinned in in times past. For He was looking ahead and including them in what He would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate His righteousness. For He Himself is fair and just, and He makes sinners right in His sight when they believe in Jesus. Romans 8, 3-4 says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. We have nailed our sins to the cross. Galatians 5.24 There's a, there's a song right now that on 95.5 Boost Radio that I really enjoy. Uh, I keep bringing up all these like initials of artists that I've been listening to. This one's KB. If you want to, if you're into rap or hip hop, I know probably a lot of you aren't, but if you are, this guy is really good. Really good. I really dig his stuff. Um, and he's got this song called Armies. And at the very beginning, he says, life ain't been the same since death died. Life ain't been the same since death died. So the butterfly comes out. It's the thing inside the cocoon that changed. Caterpillar goes in, it changes, butterfly comes out. With the cocoon of Christ, with His grave, Jesus went into the grave and the world changed. And He came out. Jesus goes into the grave and the world changes. Jesus doesn't change. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. But the world changed because death died. Life ain't been the same since death died. You see, we have hope. We have so much hope. In Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 40, it says this, and, and this is right at Pentecost. The disciples get out of themselves. They have the Spirit on them and they're preaching. And Peter says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those who are far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners Save yourselves from this crooked, crooked generation. 
Again, we're all guilty of sin. We have crucified Christ. And you're like, Mike, I don't understand that. That was like over 2,000 years ago. Well, these people that Peter's talking to weren't the ones that put the nail in Jesus' arms and feet. They didn't literally crucify him. But they were guilty of sin just like we are. And their sin is what was nailed to the cross. If you um, don't quite understand the sacrificial system, uh, a couple months ago I used this really great video in a sermon from the Bible Project. If you go to greateraltonchurch.org and you click on the sermon tab, It'll bring up a page, and off to the left are videos that have been used in sermons, and I think it's the second one from the top. It's a YouTube video on the sacrificial system. It is really good. It is tied to everything I'm talking about. If you have some questions, and you want to watch that, and then talk to somebody about it. Don't just watch it and still have questions. Watch it and talk to somebody about it. It's really good. It's really beneficial. It ties the Old Testament sacrificial system to Jesus and how we have new life because of it. But these people, just like us, are guilty of crucifying Christ because we are all sinners. And that's what Peter is telling them here. He's like, y'all crucified Jesus. He was Lord and Messiah. Big deal, right? Because the Jews are looking toward, looking forward for the Messiah. They're looking for him because he's supposed to save them. And these people just found out they killed him. That's a big deal, right? That's like waiting for your hero uh, and to show up and boom, he's dead. Have you ever watched a movie where the person you thought was going to be the huge hero dies right at the beginning? I think of, um, I just lost the name of the movie. It's got Steven Seagal and Kurt Russell in it. And Steven Seagal, you think is going to be the big guy and he dies right, right off the, right off the bat. And Kurt Russell has to save the day. Or there's a, there's a, a movie, um, Reign of Fire, it's about dragons, and it's got Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey in it, and you think Matthew McConaughey is going to be this big deal, and at one point he thought it was a good idea to jump out of a helicopter at a dragon and hit it with an axe, and he just got eight, and you're like, wait, what? So it's like watching these movies, and you think this person's going to be the big hero, and then they kill him off right away, and you're like, I don't even know where we're going now. But that's what's happening to these people. The person they've waited for forever. The person they're hopeful for. They're looking forward to. They just found out we killed them a few months ago. Who? What? What just happened? He was supposed to save us all. And Peter says he still is going to save you all. He has made a way for salvation. You see, they're like, okay, we crucified him. What do we do now? Well, repent and be baptized. So repent. Turn. Turn away from the way you were going and walk towards God is exactly what he said. Turn and go towards God. And then be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. you got to repent. you got to be baptized. A long time ago, Ryan Chestnut was up here and he made a case about baptism. He was reading a bunch of passages. He specifically this one and he, and he gave us this idea, this, this thought process. Say you're sitting at home and you're sitting on your couch and your house catches on fire. And to get out of the house, you have to get up off the couch and walk out the door to be saved from the house that's on fire. What if you only did one of those things? What if you only got up off the couch? You're still going to die because you're still in the house. So there's, there's this... There's this process of salvation. There's, there's, a, it's a walk. You walk with God. Huh. We haven't talked about that at all. And you gotta, you lean on God. You trust God. Hmm. 
You see how all of this ties together? How this is like one really big lesson and how I've had a really rough week, but I'm here in front of our fire talking about Jesus and it's just awesome. We're talking about Jesus and what He did for us. How can I not be excited about living eternally with my Father in heaven because of what my Messiah did for me? Jesus died for everyone. Even that person you have a hard time loving. Even that person who's killed so many people. Even that person who doesn't know Him and has never heard about Him. Jesus died for them. But it is up to us to accept that. It is up to us to turn towards Him. It is up to us to surrender to Him in the waters of baptism. It is up to us to put on Christ. And I'm stepping all over my lesson. I'm getting ahead of myself. In 1 Peter... Chapter 3, verses 18 through 21 says this. It says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you. Not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus. In Romans 6, chapter 3 through 11, it says, Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, We joined with Him in His death. For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with Him in His death, we will also be raised to life as He was. We know our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over Him, When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Life ain't been the same since death died. Today. Today, eternal life can start. Right now, right here, the kingdom of heaven exists. Jesus made sure of that. And right now, you can have eternal life. It doesn't start when you're dead. It starts now. You can start living with Christ and in the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first, His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. 
I am a sinful man. I fail often. Jesus was perfect. Did you know when we say that Jesus died a rebel's death, he literally died a rebel's death. Barabbas, when Pontius Pilate said, hey, I release one person every year for the festival, who would you want me to release, Jesus or Barabbas? Puts that out there for the the people and they say, give us Barabbas. Barabbas was a rebel. He was rebelling against Rome. That's why he was arrested. He was a murderer. He had murdered Roman people. He was a rebel. He was sentenced to be crucified. He was going to die on the cross. And they said, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. Jesus took Barabbas' place as the rebel on the cross. But he didn't just take Barabbas' place. He took my place. He took your place. Because all of us are rebels. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I asked you last week, are you serious about your sin? If you are serious about your sin, there is a way to take care of it. Yes, you're not going to be perfect right off the bat. You will fail. And you don't have to worry about, oh, I'm, I, I'm not a Christian now because I failed. I once heard a guy preach about baptism, and he said there's this person he was talking to that every time they fell off the wagon, they felt they needed to get baptized again. And he told them if that was the case, if that was the case every time we like failed God, we had to get rebaptized. we'd all be pruny. We'd all be wrinkly because we'd all be wet constantly. Jesus died once, and in his death, he conquered death because he came back to life. The power that was that raised Christ from the dead can be yours. It can be inside of you. That spirit can live in you. You see, just like the, the scriptures I read earlier say, Jesus died, and we can be united with him in his death. That's what baptism is. That's death. You're buried with Christ in the waters of baptism. Just like the flood back in the day destroyed the world, you can die with Christ. But the beautiful thing is, is Christ did not stay dead. He raised from the dead. God raised Him up. And if we are united with Him in His death, we are also going to be united with Him in His life. And He will never die again. Yes, the body that you inhabit right now is going to die. It was not, sin has killed this body already. God did not design the world like this. We ruined it. We messed up God's plan. But He loves us. And from the very beginning, He planned a way for you to have salvation. He planned a way for all of us to be united with Him once more. In uh, 1 Timothy 2.5, There is one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ Jesus. Jesus came in to bridge the gap that our sin created. And today, if you are unsure of where you're at, if you don't know that you're going to be living eternally with Him, don't just sit there. Don't just sit there and ponder. Ask somebody you trust, hey, can we study this out? Can we open up God's Word and see what it says? Because this this sermon series is just the greatest hits of, of devos, right? And a devotional is only there to make you think about a question. So I've made you think about your passion. I've made you think about how you value God's Word. 
hopefully. I've made you hopefully think about your sin. And is it controlling you? And today, I'm hopefully making you think about your relationship with God. Are you united, are you united with Christ? If you are, great. If you are awesome, I am so glad to call you my brother and sister. And I want to make sure you understand that Greater Alton is not the only place that you can be a Christian. If you leave this door, if this church is not for you, I want you to find a church that is for you. I want you to find a church that stands on the Word of God, preaches it, does not shy away from it, and loves you. And pushes you. Because it's one thing to come to church and sit there and listen and, and, and give money to the church and do stuff at the church, but it's another to be the church. It's another to be a Christian. It's another to live like you've been saved. Today, we can have Christ's righteousness in our lives. We can have that salvation if we seek Him first. So if we look at His Word, if we trust Him daily, if we worship Him daily, if we obey what He teaches, and if you are unsure, again, talk to somebody you trust. Talk to somebody who invited you. Talk to somebody you, you know knows God's Word and isn't going to lead you astray. You see, if, if you know somebody who knows God's Word and they do know God's Word, they're going to stand firm on God's Word. Because God's Word says if any of us, whether it be me or him or an angel from heaven, comes down and preaches to you a gospel other than what has already been preached, let him be eternally condemned. It's Galatians 1.8. I pray every morning before I get up here that I preach the Word clearly and concisely and that it's understandable and that I don't screw it up. Because I don't want to. I don't want to mislead anybody. I don't want to take a scripture. Do you know you could take Bible and make it say anything you want? You could take stuff out of, out of context all over the place. Full disclosure, I made a joke one night. Um, we do this uh, cross-chat series called um, FUAQ. So FAQs are frequently asked questions. And FUAQ is not a bad word. It's frequently unasked questions. And the way we do it is I put a shoebox in the middle of a room, in the middle of the room for a month or two before we actually start the lesson. And there's paper you can write questions on and put it in the box. So it's very, uh, you don't know who's asking the question. And it always tends to be like a month long series. And there's always like one week where I answer nothing but questions that are sexual because they're teenagers and I don't know if you know teenagers, but they're shy to ask regular people questions about sex, let alone talk to a youth minister about sex, right? So it makes it very... And I handle everything in a comfortable manner. I guess that's the way I would put it. But I always try to make a joke out of it, right, at first, to kind of lighten the mood because everybody's like all tense, like, oh my gosh, we're going to talk about sex, and that's weird. But God made sex, so it's awesome. And uh, there, there's a passage in Scripture that says, whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. And I use that to lighten the mood. Coral knows where I'm going with it. You can make Scripture say whatever you want, right? Because that's not what that passage is talking about. And I make that abundantly clear. 
Make that abundantly clear. It gets everybody to laugh, and then we get serious, and it's fine. But I want to stand up here, and I want to preach you the Word in a way that is clear and accurate and concise, in a way that you can go and look at it and say, oh, that is what Mike said. That is what that passage is saying. Because I want you to be able to make a decision. Because you should make a decision about Christ. You see, everyone here is going to make a decision about Jesus. Everyone. You're going to make a decision whether or not you want Him in your life. All of us have or will. And I pray it's the way that I have that Jesus is in my life. He is my Lord and Savior. He guides me. I listen to Him. I hear His voice. Not audibly, but you know, sometimes a slap in the back of the head is a lot louder than a, the voice in my head, right? You ever been, you ever done something and Jesus hits you upside the head? And I'm not talking like He just showed up and smacked you, but you know Jesus just hit you upside the head because you read it in Scripture and you're like, oh! Sometimes that voice is a lot louder than an audible voice. But I want to stand up here and I want to make sure you make this decision. But you are free to make the other decision. You are free to make the decision, I don't want Jesus in my life. Because God loves us and He gives us freedom of choice. And that's a whole nother discussion. It's a whole nother discussion for another time. You see, in Luke 14, it says this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. You see, all of us are going to make a choice. And I pray that today you can make a choice. That you can make a choice to make God your, your, your Savior, your Lord. I've seen... A few buildings get started. I, I think of, uh, there was a hotel at SIU that was, they laid the foundation. And then it just sat there. And it was an eyesore, and it was covered with weeds and all this other stuff. I, I've, I've seen churches get started by my house. And then they had to tear the foundation out. Are you going to weigh the cost of following Christ? Are you going to sit down and look at it and say, okay, this is what it's going to cost me to be a follower of Christ. Can I tell you that the benefits of following God far outweigh the costs? Yes, you might have to change some stuff in your life. I had to. I had to change a lot about my life. But I look at the people I hung out with then And I look at my life now. And can I tell you, some of those people are dead. Because of the lifestyle that we were leading. God has saved me from stupidity. God has saved me from poor choices. 
God has saved me from a lot more than just being eternally damned. And He has saved me for something. So I'm not just sitting here purposeless. He has saved me for something. And I don't know what that is. Maybe this is it. Maybe the thing I'm saved for is I'm supposed to say something today and one of you hear it and that's, that's it. I've served my purpose. Awesome. I've honored my God. But today, I want you to make a decision. There is a communication card in your bulletin. And uh, there's a, a spot for prayer requests, and that's a really powerful thing. You can fill out, I need this prayer request. There's a lot of people to pray for right now. There's a, a, a place for contact information, um, where if you need something and you need somebody to get back to you, you can fill out that contact information. And in the bottom left-hand part, there's a place you can check boxes, like I'd like a personal Bible study, or I want to know more about baptism, or... I need help. And I encourage you, if you're in a position today that you need to make a choice, fill that out. Somebody will contact you and it's not going to be like me saying, hey, so-and-so from up here. It's not going to be Alan before he sings, hey, come on down. It's not the price is right up in here. But you can make a decision where you're at. And that's an important decision and that's a holy moment. And I encourage you, follow Christ. Make that decision. Yes, you're going to have to count the costs on it. But I can tell you, it is so worth it. And I pray every day that I get up here that somebody can make a decision and that they can turn their life to Christ and that the world is different for it, but the kingdom is different for it too because now we've got a new brother or sister in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for this time and this place, Father. Thank you so much for your Son who has made a way for us. Thank you so much for his life, his perfect life. God, I don't know what we would do without him. God, I pray that the fire that we light this year can burn bright. That it doesn't go out. We don't allow it to go out. We don't abandon our passion. I want to pray for our church, Father, that you can just set us on fire, God. You can send your spirit. You can kick us. You can push us. You can nudge us however you need to. Some of us, me, I'm more stubborn than others. Sometimes I just need a slap up the back of the head, God. But I, I, I pray that you spur us on to love and good deeds, Father. That pure religion, looking after orphans and widows, that we have a passion for the lost, God. That we can go out and we cannot be ashamed of You. That we can pro- profess our faith. And that we can show the world how much we love You. God, I want that fire to burn. God, I want it to be bright. A, a city on a hill cannot be hidden because there's so much light coming from it, Father. I pray we are that light. That we, we shine Your light into a dark world. I want to pray for those that are here um, who have yet to make a decision about you. I pray for for them to choose you as Lord and Savior of their life. I pray for them to surrender their way of life to you and pick up your way of life. You tell us your your yoke is easy and your burden is light and that is true, Father. It doesn't always it doesn't always seem easy, but it always is. Help us, Father, to follow You. For those of us who have surrendered to You, help us to follow You, to honor You with our lives, with our thoughts, with our words, with our actions, God. 
I pray Your kingdom can be made known among us. And I pray that people know us by our love. God, You are so great. I, I want to lift up, there are people who are struggling with, with cancer and just horrible news, Father, right now. Um, Father, I, I want to lift them up. I, I pray healing in their lives. Um, God, I pray for peace in their life. I know there, there's other people who are just dealing with other sicknesses, Father. Um, there are people traveling right now. I pray uh, safety for them. I pray for healing for them. God, there's just a lot going on in our world right now. I, I pray that You work mightily in our world and that Your people work mightily in our world. Father, thank You so much. In your name I pray. Amen.